So welcome to another episode of Forget Oil podcast, where we talk about um, uh, how to build uh, green tech businesses. And uh, today I have a very, very, very special guest, uh, Eric Edmeets, that I've um, uh, um, I've followed your material for a very long time. Uh, the, the business blueprint, the wild fit, everything. So I'm really gl- glad to have you here for this so- so-called mini mini interview. Um, uh, you you have. Build um, businesses yourself. You're a serial entrepreneur, and uh, I wanted to ask: Do you have any general suggestions for um, for people who are building uh, businesses uh, at 2022? I think one of the most important things for people to consider is that having gone to at least 12 years of school, most of us were taught to do everything ourselves. And we were taught to focus our efforts on what we're not good at. You know, like when you get your report from the school, they go, oh, look, you were doing very well at physics, but not so well at English. So you should now spend more focus on English. And there's a certain wisdom in that. But after 12 years of being directed toward what you're not good at and being told that collaboration is cheating, now you have a bunch of people who start businesses and they refuse to collaborate. They feel like they're cheating. So they don't want to do everything themselves. And they spend their focus on the things that they're not that good at. And so they get trapped as solopreneurs they get trapped as a as a single entrepreneur and have a hard time growing beyond that mm-hmm. yeah and you, what, what, uh, in your business um, blueprint i believe you, you you mentioned this eight different um, uh, paths sure and um, uh, actually uh, we made a like a productivity mastermind and this we also um, were discussing that that all the team members should be doing stuff that they're actually good at and, no. uh, but uh, at the same time, I have a like, oh, sorry, I have a provocative question. Um, uh, most of the people I um, uh, know who have sold their companies, they've had periods where they do things that they absolutely don't like. And I was wondering, have you had uh, this kind of um, experience yourself when you had a period where you did stuff that was necessary to do, but you necessarily didn't like to do? Absolutely. You know, you start your first business, and you're still going to have to clean the toilets. Like you're on your own, you know, and unless you're starting with a bunch of capital and you're hiring a bunch of people from the start. But as many of us, my most of my businesses have been organic startups. So I'm on my own and I've got to do everything. But there's a very big difference between being trapped in doing it all or doing it all knowing it's coming to an end. So, for example, I don't like doing accounting work. I'm relatively good at it. I understand accounting, but I don't like it. So what does that mean? Well, it means that If I was to start a business and I didn't know what I knew, then I would probably procrastinate the accounting, I would put it off, and then when I finally got around to doing it, I would rush my way through it and probably get it wrong. On the other hand, what I did is I made a decision when I started my first business. I created a map of all the roles in my business and I said, these ones, I have to get out of those. And once I acknowledged that I was going to stop doing the accounting, it was like giving notice. It was like, dear me. I quit. I, you have six months. And once I knew that I had six months, well, first of all, it meant that when I did do it, I didn't hate it so much. You see, it's not that people hate doing something. It's that they hate feeling like they're going to have to do it forever. And so now I was like, well, I only have to do this for six months. So that was the first thing. So now I started doing a better job of it. The second thing is I started documenting it because I know I'm going to hire somebody, so I'd better document what I'm doing so it's going to make it easier for me to train them. And then the third thing is it had me start paying attention to the people in my network that might be good at doing that work because that was going to help me with recruiting. Because remember, like, some people really like doing accounting work. I mean, I, I happen to think they might be ill, but they do. They like doing it. So now, here I am. I'm doing a better job of it. 
I'm proceduralizing it. I'm creating systems and documents and templates and stuff. And I'm keeping my eye out for the right person to do that job. So six months later, I'm out. I don't do it anymore. Yeah, that's very, very inspiring. Uh, when I started with your material, then um, one of the tasks you gave was to to, uh, to put uh, like a long vacation in your schedule. That was the scariest um, of them all, uh, of all the exercises there. Uh, but uh, you also mentioned about uh, hiring people who um, who are who is like almost opposite of your personality type. Like, can you can you elaborate on that uh, a little bit? Well, before we get to the opposite of your personality type, let's look at the most common mistake that I see with hiring. People like people that they are like. Um, it's a little quirk of the English language that that word like has so many different meanings, but people like people that they are similar to, that they're like. So now what happens is, is that you know somebody's hiring or they're looking for a partner, and the interview kind of goes like this. Well, I started my business, and I've got this great passion, and I want to build this and change the world and create this and build this and so on. And then the person in the interview is like, oh, my God, that sounds amazing. And then we could do this and we could do that. And you've got two people that are in such rapport with each other that they are like each other, and they like each other, and they decide it would be good for them to work together. The problem that's going to come out from that most cases is that they're both going to want to do the same things in the business and they're both going to not want to do the same things in the business. So they're going to end up having conflict. And and the truth is is that most businesses, at least in the startup stage, don't need two people with the same skill sets. What they need is a spread of people with a variety of skill sets. So if you take a look at somebody, look, let's look at creatives, right? There are these people, call them creatives. They have their head in the clouds. They love starting stuff. Finishing it, not so much, right? So now, how useful is it to hire two creatives who both like to start stuff but don't like to finish it? And then a third one. They start everything, they get nothing done. On the other hand, you might say that the opposite person, I mean, not necessarily opposite, but you might say that the opposite of really creative is somebody who's very grounded and has their feet on the ground, very practical. Well, what if that creative person brought in a partner or hired somebody who's very grounded? Now, they like starting it, and they've brought somebody in who's very good at finishing it, and that's magical. Wow! Yeah, I can I can see the value value in that. Um, also, uh, one of your uh, the most famous uh, businesses you have is Wildfit, and uh, I was wondering uh, when you d- built your uh, your teams, uh, did you somehow um, uh, encourage self uh, like personal development or health in your team? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that we do in all of our companies is uh, our, uh, all of our teams are able to do any of our programs, many, many of them for free, and some of them when there's a big cost involved, they get like a, a friends and family rate where it's just basically covering their costs. We want to encourage them in every possible way to continue their development. So, you know, if we have people in customer service, we want to make sure, for example, that they're good communicators. So they might want to do some of our public speaking training. Um, and of course, we want our staff to be healthy because the more healthy they are, the better their brain is working, the less time off sick they are, the greater energy they have, the more productive they are. So I, I am a very big fan of, look, let me put it another way. I am still studying these things all the time. I always say that if you want to build a good company, go and learn about business and work on your company. But if you want to build a phenomenal company, then work on yourself. And so I take that same principle to our team. And yeah, absolutely. I encourage my team to read, to listen, to go to programs and to keep educating themselves. Very interesting. And uh, and Wildfit, do you encourage that with, uh, with your team too? Of course. I mean, we don't... Remember that Wildfit is ultimately about freedom. So... 
you know, if, if I feel like, you know, one of my team members is, uh, you know, maybe not eating in, in the way that's ideal for them or maybe their health isn't maybe optimal, I, I'll lead them there. I'm, I'll, I'll encourage them in every way that I can, but I won't force anybody. Remember, I'm, I'm ultimately all about freedom. Now, now I, I think if somebody were, like, causing a very serious brand violation, you know, they're doing tequila shots at McDonald's on a Sunday, we might have to have a conversation about that. We might have to have a discussion about how, how much on the team are they really. But I, I'm very pleased to say that our staff are family. They, they really are. They're curious about what we teach. And, you know, here's something that we often do is um, we often have, especially when we have big campaigns going on, is we'll have everybody in the company work on the help desk. So, like, everybody's getting to work on the help desk. Well, what's really amazing about that is you might think, well, they're getting a lot of complaints. No, they're getting a lot of people writing to the help desk going, thank you guys so much. You saved my life. Thank you. You transformed my business. Thank you. I've lost 50 pounds. And, you know, and, or I've reversed my type 2 diabetes or my marriage is where I, or we fixed our fertility and we just had a baby. Like, we get these letters every day. And so what happens is, is that our staff is inspired by those letters, which causes them two things. One is it makes them want to see our mission spread out into the world, but it also shows them what's possible. And we've had many of our clients go, I just read this ticket in the help desk and now I want to do WildFit. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, in your uh, quantum shift experience, um, uh, you also encourage people to uh, to do what is fun for them. Uh, so uh, one of your messages was that um, uh, you will become more magnetic when you when you do that. And uh, and um, uh, uh, my question is that is that uh, when it comes to your businesses, you have been like the number one uh, uh, enthusiast in that. And I was wondering um, uh, how uh, do you do it with your team? Like, uh, is your uh, do you expect your team to be in the same level when it comes to the enthusiasm you have? or um, It's not that I expect the same level of enthusiasm. It's that I want people doing jobs that they like. I just, I want that. I, want, I don't want anybody coming to work and going, oh, sludge, I wish I didn't have to do that. And, and I really believe that on a personal level, if a singular person, if me, if an entrepreneur, if a self-employed person spends the majority of their time enjoying what they do, then they are going to be more attractive to business partners, investors, customers, and suppliers, and everything. They're going to be more attractive. People will want to do business with them. But now, take that same principle, and let's say you've got 30 employees, and all 30 of them love being at work. They don't, they, they're not like looking at the clock at 4.55 and thinking, oh, I wish I could get out of here right away. They want to be there. Where you, like I've, I've even had to be in a situation with staff and I'm like, go home. I want you to go home now. Like if your team is like that, then think how much attraction that creates when a client comes in and sees that every single person loves being there, that every single person is passionate about the mission. It's phenomenally attractive. Nice. Uh, you, you're also famous of uh, taking uh, big uh, vacations uh, to Kilimanjaro and everywhere. And um, uh, I was wondering, how do you encourage that with your uh, with your team? Uh, you, these uh, these vacations seem like uh, you're, you're out like 30 days, and uh, you don't have uh, cell phone coverage where you're at. And uh, and how do you do it with your with your team? Uh, do you encourage that? Okay, it's a really important question. No, I don't encourage it the same way. And you know why? They're employees, and employees and business owners are very different. And so if somebody wants to take vacations like that, then I suggest that they probably shouldn't be an employee and they should be a business owner, and then they can create that freedom for themselves. But I absolutely do recommend phenomenal vacations and lengthy ones, and I'll tell you there's a number of reasons for that. 
The one is that, well, look, I bet you've had this happen where there's been a problem in your life or a challenge you faced, and then you stepped into the shower and you were thinking about something else, and then the solution came to you. Well, the, the idea there is, is that when the brain is solely focused on the problem itself, it loses its connection with creativity sometimes. So when you send people away on vacation, you're sharpening their brain. You're, you're, you're creating new opportunities for them to see new patterns. So I really like that. The other thing is, is that um, it's very important that your business never become completely dependent on anybody. And one of the best ways to inoculate yourself or test for that or prevent it is to make sure that your employees do take extended vacations because then you spot very quickly where the systems aren't tight enough yet. You know, if you have systems, if you have procedures, if you have things that have to happen in the company and they're not well documented, they're not well proceduralized, they're in somebody's head, then when they go on vacation, you're going to notice the problem and you're going to know where to fix it. If that person never takes a vacation, then one day they quit, then you're going to find all the problems at once. So long vacations serve a number of good... Now, again, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't encourage any of my staff to like, oh, take off for six weeks. But I certainly have done that routinely in my business, taken off three or four or five weeks at a time. But of course, I'm doing that for a number of reasons. One is that in order for me to build a business that's self-sustaining, it needs to not be addicted to me. And in order for it to be self-sustaining, I need to not be addicted to the business. And, and so, you know, I'll take those breaks. But I, I, I do think it's different as a business owner than as an employee. We, we're, we're craving different levels of security. All right, nice. Um, the last question I have is that there are some rumors that uh, you, there will be um, uh, public speaking training by you soon. Uh, is this uh, public information already? Or what is your comment? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually kind of funny. It was not public information until about 12 hours ago when Vishen Lakhiani, founder of Mind Valley, came up to me and he goes, it's time. You've waited three years. We have to do it. And I want to make an announcement today. So, yes, we're doing our first one in three years um, on October 24th to 28th, uh, the Speaking Academy program. And it'll, it'll be here in Tallinn. So it's going to be super cool. All right. Very good. Thank you, Eric, very much um, for inspiring uh, us. And, uh, yeah, you have a, a public speaking coming up as we speak. So, yeah, good luck. Thanks so much for having me.